I like to say that life always comes with challenges. Um, you may not understand what exactly is happening to you as a person. You may not understand the challenges you face, why you face them and why now. People tend to ask a lot of whys. But one thing I know for me which has kept me going is um, as long as there's life, there's always hope. Hello and welcome to the Searcher Studio Podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with David Cameo, also known as Sensei the Adogwu. David is a Nigerian photographer who specializes in portrait and product photography. His upbringing in Nigeria has fostered a sense of resilience and fortitude, proving nothing, even the obstacles of failing electrical grids, will prevent him from reaching beyond his limitations. In our conversation, you'll hear more about his experience growing up in Nigeria, what influences his work and art, his advocacy of men's mental health, and his growth and development as a photographer. You can find David on Instagram at Sensei the Adogwu, S-E-N-S-E-I-T-H-E-O-D-O-G-W-U, and on Twitter at I am King David, I-A-M-K-V-N-G-D-A-V-I-D underscore. Head over to the show notes to see David's work and connect with his social links. Thanks for listening and enjoy. A couple quick notes before we get started. First, there were some technical issues and you might hear glitches in the audio. Secondly, a little more than halfway through the recording, you will hear a generator being turned on by David's neighbor. I was able to edit out quite a bit, but ask that you're patient with any irregularities you may hear. Thank you and enjoy. David, hi, welcome to the podcast. Um, I want to get started right away by addressing the elephant in the room, which is um, the number of issues that you guys have in Nigeria with your electrical grid. Um, It seems like it's a pretty significant issue for you over there. It's it's a big problem. And because of this, it, it definitely has been able to affect most Nigerians, especially for me as an artist and for every other artist, I'm sure they will agree with me what I'm saying. This is one of the issues. We have other problems that tend to ravage our society and put a hold basically or a drawback on productivity, on creativity, on um, entrepreneurship and all of this, um, bringing out um, forces of labor. But as an artist, um, because of the, the, the challenges we face, most times it results into having to find another means and sometimes it may not always be the best solution um, but at the same time it also costs you more but the the thing the thing here i see with creativity is um i would not say that for our country like nigeria we are the worst um i know other countries even have it worse than us um, but at the same time um I believe that from the challenges we face, first of all, we actually want a better um, uh, electricity um, generation. And, and for the record, our grid fell twice, like we had a grid collapse like twice in, in a month. So that's really crazy. So, but 
your creativity sometimes spans from the challenges you face and you want to just get out of that zone. So, yeah, it's a major setback. Um, I wouldn't lie. It's a major setback. And I pray that and I hope <laughs> that we um, tend to find a solution to this. So, yeah. I've been really impressed with all the artists that I've seen coming out of Nigeria in, in regards to the NFT space, at least. Um, and I've, you know, you and I have spoken about it a couple of times now. Can you, um, can you shed a little bit of light on what life is like in Nigeria and, you know, what was your experience growing up? Yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, I think that's a very good question because I, I think you, um, it, it gives people an edge understanding what my country is like. So growing up in Nigeria is, it, I, I would say it's almost no different from growing up in any part of the world. Um, although the, the difference is um, the cult, our ethnicity, our tribe and all of that. Um, so basically growing up in Nigeria was fun for me because I grew up in the early 90s. And I remember um, when I was young, um, so for me, like my parents, my mom happened to be um, in the Nigerian Navy. She was an officer, um, a lieutenant. And my dad was a, um, he was an infantry soldier and he became a chaplain. And so I grew up in a very um, military background. I wanted to serve my country as well. But unfortunately, I, I didn't go again because I felt like the military wasn't really my call. Although at first I wanted to really represent my parents because um, my mom had uh, like an amazing um, um, record being a marksman in um, the military. But for me, growing up in Nigeria was fun. Um, in the 90s, I remember very much where we, I grew up like, we, we grew up in more like a communal setting where we had people growing up in the, uh, I grew, so I grew up in the barracks, in the military barracks. and. Because of that, people would always be around you in most cases. So you have neighbors everywhere. Everybody wants to butt into your business. It's almost like growing up in a black community. The only difference is Africans are very, very communal and we tend to care for one another. And here in Nigeria, we kind of experienced a whole lot of things. Most people tend to experience in other parts of the world. I'll take, for example, the US. Um, so let me just give you these instances um, for for celebrations we have everything like you guys for christmas the only difference is you guys call it santa claus we call it father christmas so <laughs> that was a very very big distinction but we kind of adopted the whole father christmas into the christian celebration of christmas and all of that and um basically i i grew up in a time where um we just transcended into um we are just about, we are about leaving basically the military regime so um 1999 saw um democracy and we have we had our first president um Olusegun Basanjo um who was who was um the head of state and turned democratic president so um phones just came into Nigeria I mean what we call GSM and we had phones we had Turaya we had Sajen we had Motorola and all of these things so my growing up was fun. It was very, very interesting. Um, we don't have snow like everybody else. What we tend to have is Hamatan. So it's like a very, very dry dust. And according to geography, it blows in from Angola all the way into the um, Saharan region and then comes into Lagos and other parts of Nigeria. So 
Christmas period from say early from like November to like December you have dry weather really very harsh and all of those things and it was fun and I remember a whole lot I grew up on hip-hop culture listening to people like uh, um, Missy Elliott I grew up on Ja Rule, 50 Cent, you had um, Tupac you had Biggie, you had a whole lot of these people and a lot of movie influences going bananas and all of this thing so I think it's it's fun and for um, inculcating it into like um, our art I think it plays a very important role because for me I feel like for every artist your art should be true to yourself and, and most times it tends to reflect who you are and where you're from and how you grew up basically so I think that uh, it has kind of shaped me into the person I am um, my environment and what I think how I think basically and just tend to fuse it as an artist and apart from even being art I still more or less like my own um, my own belief system ideology a lot so it it's 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 really wonderful Although you grow up with a lot of challenges because, first of all, like I said, we have the challenge of electricity, which has been a problem. You tend to have issues of commuting because Lagos, where I stay, can be a very, very rounded place. And it's almost like New York, everybody's all about and doing. But the problem is some places can be really, really, like we like to say, rugged because you have a lot of um, incidents of um, um, stealing and all of those things that we tend to experience, which is different from everybody else's experiences so but yeah i think that's just basically then how it has really tend to shape me as a person and as a man and i tend to try to tell stories yeah growing up in a military household did you and your family uh end up moving around quite a bit yeah i moved mike i moved a whole lot so we have 36 states in nigeria i moved roughly say five six seven states because my mom was in the um, education department. Um, that was her um, her post in um, in the navy. But she moved a whole lot. Um, so my mom went from um, school of logistics in to the headquarters in Marina, Lagos. Till she went to um, she taught in high schools because the military year had tend to have their own high school. So she taught in high schools and she was teaching. Um, we call it food and nutrition as well as. Uh, home management so she was more or less into that aspect but above all she was an excellent marksman so anywhere she went i would always tend to follow her and it kind of gave me a larger experience of what life looked like outside just like yours yeah so i moved definitely there's something about moving around i think that uh inspires or you know cultivates some sort of creative profession for a lot of people i always i've read a lot of interviews about artists or actors um that have come from military backgrounds so uh, i think it's pretty interesting that you uh were interested in becoming uh like in, in following the military path but then ultimately have ended up in a in a creative uh medium um or creative profession i should say um but it wasn't always like that correct you were uh previously before becoming a professional photographer you were uh working as a teacher can you kind of um, share a bit about what what you were doing leading up to that? Um, so, uh, so I, I I had a degree. I have a degree in um, 
I have a bachelor of science, bachelor's degree in uh, microbiology, which I majored in, and from Benson Dalsa University, uh, uh, which happens to be in the south, southern part of Nigeria. Um, so, but teaching wasn't my first, um, my first love. Uh, I wanted um, so bad to work in the oil industry because I thought that studying microbiology would give me a kind of edge having to work in the oil industry because of um, there's there an aspect or there's a branch of microbiology that is called oil, um, petroleum microbiology. So petroleum microbiology is what I really wanted to do but I found myself teaching because first of all um, unemployment rate is really a thing in Nigeria. Unfortunately it's really very high. It's over 33 percent and um, this poses a problem. Yeah it's it's really very high. So um, in Nigeria, most times what tends what tends to happen is people tell you people post jobs online, job offers, and you get paid like really very meager salary. And most times you don't want to take it because, like people say, I know my worth. But at the same time, you tell yourself, man, I know my worth. Well, if I keep on saying I know my worth, I probably will not get a job because most companies who tend to pay higher want a higher degree to retain you. So you have to see yourself getting the master's degree to be able to fit in in a company that's supposed to pay you with your BSc degree. So it's really very crazy. So I found myself teaching because um, I think that uh, I thought that that would like be the, 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 the platform for me to uh, um, start off. So I taught um, biology and um, physical health education. I taught to both senior students um, in the high school, which we call secondary school here, and junior students. So that's how I got into teaching ball. It's not really a respected profession, to be very honest with you. Um, it comes with a lot of challenges, just like every other teacher faces. Um, and most cases, apart from the fact that you tend to experience these challenges, you do not have like enough materials to be able to work with, unless you're working with a school that really that has very very high standards and they have all the equipment to be able to teach. Yeah. It sounds like you have challenges no matter what industry you choose. So why not choose something you're passionate about? So where did you start when you um, decided to move into a creative field? Like what were your first steps, whether it be before photography or into photography? Okay, this is very, this is, I think this is a very good question. So I think for the longest, I've always wanted to do art. Although I've, I, I've always been a very intuitive person. I've always been a very, very curious person right from my childhood days. And I say this because back then, um, when, I was, when I was growing up, um, my dad um, was so much in tune into, with um, knowledge that he got me books from, um, my father has like a library of books basically, from Christian books to motivational books to a whole lot of books. I read Kiyosaki's books. I read um, a whole lot of people's books, uh, Joel Austin and all of that. And my dad got me an encyclopedia when I was when I was like in primary school. Um, and I used to read I used to read on them and um, trying to find new knowledge. I grew up watching um, Discovery Channel and all of these things. They kind of just shaped my mind. So um, fast forward to my final year um, in the university. I was studying microbiology. I was frustrated, and this was how I really practically started doing photography. It's a very, very funny story. So I was in my final year, uh, my fourth year, 
and I was really very frustrated mentally because I was doing a project that in the history of my school and in my department no one had done it so and because this topic was really very frustrating because I had not done it before I had no knowledge about it my professor wanted me to fly in um, some strains of um, what's it called Salmon, um, salmonella from Finland and I didn't have the money I really didn't know what to do so at some point I used to have this tab it was an Infinix tab um, an Infinix X1000 I used to go around my school taking pictures of architecture and I was drawn I, I have been drawn so much to lines and curves and basically so I started doing photography like for my final year basically out of just the the the, the willingness to get out of the whole stress excuse me the whole mental stress I was going through and all of that so that was how I began and then officially I started shooting with a phone I, then I moved into mobile photography many people don't know this I went I moved into mobile photography like in 2019 then um, I think no in 2018 and in 2019 I got myself a camera on my birthday and it kicked up from there so you started shooting with a tablet first in 2016 and then you moved to a phone and then you moved to a professional camera um um, um, yes, um, but uh, for my professional camera, I picked it up in 2020, um, sometime in November. So yeah, November 2020 was when I picked up my first camera, but I've been shooting like since like, um, because I finished, I finished my university in 2016. Um, so I started shooting like my final year in 2016 with my tablet. I got a phone in 2018 and from there, 2020. I started doing um, professional photography with my camera. So over those four years, you were transitioning like hardware-wise from tablet to phone to professional camera. What were you like evolving? How was your style evolving over the course of those those transitions? What were you shooting that was different? Um, okay, so from architecture i i i so i got a phone in 2018 um and basically i was doing like a whole lot with my phone basically so i was of the opinion that if i really didn't need a camera to be able to achieve my goals right as a photographer i wanted to be um my mom knew this so much about me and the, the of blessed memory she had always been a very supportive person of what I wanted to do and um, so I did like a whole lot um, I would shoot um, plants but I had a thing for fine art architecture so I did like a, I did like a whole lot of fine art architecture and um, I was drawn to inanimate objects like lines I will have chains I will have um, points of meeting uh, like let's say at the, the, the point where um, the roof meets basically I would take images of people, I would edit them, and because, excuse me, because I, I really couldn't use Photoshop then, all I had was my smartphone and Lightroom Mobile. So I was in a whole lot of portraits, I was in a lot of freeze frame um, stop motions for things like water splash, and I was doing a whole lot of creative portraits and more of architecture, especially the fine art, because I had like this black and white. And in 2020, if I'm not wrong, in 2021, I had I was in this competition for um, it was a Nigerian competition for 
photographers and we had different categories you had for professional photographers people who use the camera you had for people who had phone photographers i was able to submit some of my images which comprised of um contemporary or like or like say like portraits but more or less like performative portraits because i they had like pictures of myself just um being like in my own zone as well as um the architectural aspect which is like the final because i had they were all black and white images so this this period of like the four years kind of helped me transit into what I wanted to do and not until I got my camera I really understood what I really wanted to do and to be able to now push this. Was there any one or anything in particular that influenced you to move into portrait photography? Yes, um, I had I had a lot of people who kind of influenced me. Um, so one very one person I really respect in Nigeria is his name is Mayor Mayor Otu. He's a Nigerian documentary photographer. Um, um, I I see him as a, a mentor, even though he's not really my mentor, but I see him as a mentor because he has tend to inspire a lot of young Nigerian um, photographers, and he's really doing amazing. He's also in the NFT space. Um, which he has a, a collection dedicated to helping people in the, in the state of Enugu um, get water. Um, also, I had other foreign influences. Um, so I had people like Peter Mackinon from, from Canada. Um, I had uh, um, um, Tepo, Tepo, and Tepo, um, Tepo Hapoya from Finland, but he's based in Canada. Then there's this guy I love so much. Um, his name is... Uh, Trying to remember the name now, but I just can't. I would. I remember. Just remember it later. He's from. I think he's from Switzerland or so, but he tends to travel the whole world and he does landscape photography. But he tends to he tends to inculcate um, people into his landscape. So they tend to they appear as very tiny subjects basically. So they tend to fill up this large span of um, um, photos. So like a lot of people tend influence me my art, and obviously people from the, talk about the best. You had like uh, people like um, the legendary Bruce Bar um, Barnbaum. Um, it was a book given to me by um, an old friend, David. Um, that book kind of shaped my 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 ideas and my philosophy about photography. Um, and it was about it was a book about lines and colors and black and white because then film photography was the thing so i had like a lot of influences i read a lot of books articles youtube videos that kind of helped me shape my i'm just trying to understand my style so yeah and a couple of other um, nigerian photographers you have kelly chamadiobi and amazing people yeah so i had both nigerian and foreign i think it's really interesting that you went from architecture photography which is you know you're working with immovable objects to portrait photography where you're you're developing a pretty intimate relationship with your subject and um they're very malleable so um can you share a bit about what it's like to work with uh people and how you develop a relationship with with your subjects um, so let me let me just talk about briefly about my NFT, which I think really speaks volumes to me. Um, if I was not to relate it as an NFT, just a just a portrait. So um, for that image or the couple of images I shot, um, there were there were there were things I had to do while 
I was in my studio and mind you I use my my, my um, living room as my studio because it's easier for me to be able to do what I want to do um, so in that light because I was talking about a very sensitive topic um, like mental health and geared towards men um, I had songs that played very thoughtful kind of solemn kind of moody song and I had to constantly communicate with my um with the person i was shooting with i had paint all over his body and there was paint on the floor paint everywhere basically and i most times tend to talk my subjects and tell them what i want to do and most cases of this from platon um, platon is an amazing photographer he's a great american photographer and i was i watched his documentary on netflix um I think it's called Design of Light Abstract, and he was shooting um, Colin Powell. And he asked him a bunch of questions which were unrelated as a photographer. Questions outside the whole, um, so do you like this, do you like that? He was just basically, we were just having like a conversation. And that kind of helped me shape me into what I tend to do for my um, subjects, where I tend to ask them questions about what they like. For example, if it's a birthday, I tend to ask you like, what's your mem what's your memorable um, experience? What brought you joy? Tell me something you did that was funny, or when did you laugh last? And in that light, when you're talking with you, when talking with you, you tend to express more um, genuine emotion, not just standing in front of a camera and then just say cheese and all of that. So that kind of helped me into being able to shoot with my subjects and creating that bond that has lasted for this period of time while being a, a professional photographer. So you do product photography, you do portrait photography uh, professionally, and then you also do um, personal uh, portrait photography for your NFTs. Do you take a different approach with any of these? Um, so first of all, I think it's not really any different. The only thing I would say is for, for a topic. So for me, um, I see photography as a, I see more or less like it's, it, I will not say I, I, I don't call myself a story. I don't tell stories. I see myself as someone who tends to communicate to people. Or communicate ideas or sometimes what I feel basically not necessarily tell the story because storytelling is good but I don't think it's what I'm really good at I feel I feel like I'm good in communicating emotions and in most cases I'm more for, I, I tend to do more of the moody side because I'm very in tune with my emotions as a man and um, it, it kind of shapes me into what I'm doing so for my NFTs it really isn't any different. The only thing is, I because I was really into this project as to being able to tell, to communicate this idea and these emotions which I felt as a person into someone. It's like it's like you transferring um, your information from your PC or your laptop into like a hard drive or whatever um, hardware you want to put it in, and you have to, you have to be be able to effectively transfer that emotion or that information into this so i think that's what made it different because i was able to communicate well with my subject and tell him what i wanted to do at the point he felt like crying and i really didn't want to get that but i wanted him to evoke those emotions basically 
and it got so intense that after the shoot i had to just basically switch it up and play much more interesting music because at some point i could really feel that emotion that i felt and most people and most men tend to feel the only thing is we all mask it up and um with our daily lives and our daily activities so yeah the first time you and i met actually i was really impressed because we met in a twitter spaces where you were sharing about your mission and your advocacy for uh, men's mental health and i've rarely heard about that specifically as being someone's mission um where did this start what happened in your life or kind of what was the beginning of of being an advocate for uh for men so um two things kind of influenced me um i'll try and be i'll be very i'll be vulnerable here the first one which i sometimes try not to talk about because um i tend to get my emotions is um the passing of my mom um so my mom's passing was really really very painful for me because First of all, I happened to be her only son and only child, and um, I was basically taking care of her. So my mom suffered um, diabetes type 2 that progressed into affecting her kidneys. So we, she was on dialysis and then she gave up. And I was one having to take care of her, cook for her, do all of these things. And we shared so many good moments that losing my mom, I literally saw my mom being put in. A casket and in the body bag and they moved into the morgue and I cried I, I cried my, my eyes out I, I my mom passed in the dialysis room and I, I didn't get to see her so it really affected me that I got depressed another one was from the fact that I experienced a very major heartbreak in my life in 2021 and I, I had lost my mom we had done the burial and I had found love at this point in my life and um i thought it was going to be like it will last and but it didn't work that way so those the the the, the things i saw at that period in time tend to told me that in most cases as a man no one really cares about your emotion and i wondered why and I tried to question a lot of things. I asked questions. I asked God. I, I asked a lot of questions. I was just basically like questioning myself and asking myself, why do men go through so much challenges? And most times they tend to sulk in them. They tend to die inside. And society doesn't care if men move, if men are okay, they are not okay. So I think after questioning and experiencing this two major um uh, what's it called? Emotional roller coaster. It prompted me into doing this project and having to connect with other men and other people across the globe who are going through this challenge. So I think that's one of like the basic influences for my project, and I believe I was able to do just that. And do you do any mental health advocacy outside of your specific projects? Um, so. The thing is, um, I try to host spaces, but um, so I, I, I actually host spaces, but just that for a while now, I've been doing other things IRL, and um, it, it basically has just kind of been a challenge for me. 
Um, so I used to host spaces uh, on the Sundays with a friend of mine. His name is Gideon. He's a web developer, but also a mental health advocate. And we became friends because I hosted a space basically on mental health. And people were talking, basically just like a safe space. And because I'm not someone who is um, who is a professional in this field, I try not to touch on subjects that may cause a problem or say things that I I really do not know of. So I I tend to get statistics of what is really happening. And unfortunately for us in Nigeria, we don't have so many statistics for mental health. Just very very few. Um, so I was able to host spaces. And I've also been working on trying to get like a physical meeting to have people talk about these things. But sometimes the challenge I also have is uh, people and the timing. This can really pose like a problem because a lot of people tend to work nine to five and do all of these things. So most times I tend to do these things on um, um, on the internet. And also on Twitter, I drop quotes. I call it hashtag DMN where I tend to talk to men and even in the uh, mental health um, awareness month, which is this month, I've been also been able to put out a couple of tweets to just encourage people. And it's for me, it's a journey because I just started this like in less than three months and I've been trying to get my hands on it and just see if I can be able to pull resources just to help people and just create like a very, very, um, safe space and um yeah basically like a safe space for people to be able to share their emotions and just get out of it basically with the proliferation of camera phones what's your opinion on photography as an art as a profession as a hobby do you look at those as different elements so i i feel like every artist every photographer has a medium which he or she excuse me communicates their images to people right um i don't think that there should be any any form of discrimination as to hey you do this you don't do that or you do this you don't do this and um, but but i feel like the truth will always be when you take up the mantle to be a I like to use the word professional, not necessarily professional because of experience, but professional because you tend to apply more tools and expertise in trying to achieve a particular result. That's, that's where I'm coming from. So when you take up this mantle, you say, hey, I want to get a camera. I want to be able to shoot. The whole dynamics changes, basically, because I, for one, used to be a mobile photographer. But I wanted, that was more or less like a hobby. I wanted to do this full time, right? And because I know I needed to, I, when I wanted to achieve my goals, I needed to do like a whole lot more in my finances as to getting a gear, getting lights, getting um, a studio, which is my house, and doing other things. I'm getting the tools I need, a PC to be able to edit and all of these things. It kind of changed the whole course for me. So you can always fuse the three and you can always separate the three because you move from the hobbyist to sometimes you, you move from that hobbyist into like a, a professional field or tending to use a mobile phone. The, the challenges we use the mobile phone is there are a lot of things you may not be able to do. And for me, one thing I love about photography is the technicality. 
not in a bad way but in the fact that understanding the basic nitty-gritties of um, lighting of um, ISO um, aperture and um, f-stop and all of these elements fused together makes you have makes you better makes you um, makes you more flexible basically also understanding things like composition and uh, as, a, as a photographer because I feel like composition and lighting are two very important things you need to learn. Um, coloring comes in secondary, depends on how you want to do it. So I think you can always separate the three. Now, as an artist, one thing I really love is conceptual photography because conceptual photography and creative photography has a blend of this. You could be a professional photographer and at the same time you could be an artist because in conceptual and um, uh, uh, um, creative photography you tend to use a whole lot of photoshop in trying to blend or uh, add um, subtract and do all of these manipulations just to get what you want but at the same time um i don't tend to discriminate i feel like every artist is unique to what they want to do um, but at the same time people should not try and say this is better or because you can do this um you should do that no everyone has their own thing and their own way of approaching an art, uh, which is photography, which is a visual art. Uh, but at the same time, if you really want to, I always say, truth is, if you really want to do this full time, if you really want to be a photographer, there are things you you have to do. There are things you want to spend money on because why well, you want more, you want the best, right? You want the best image, you want the best outcome of a particular idea you want to just put into play. So yeah. What caused you to make that mental shift for yourself and for your work? Um, so basically, I, I used to use my phone to shoot and I had a challenge. And the, the, the challenges I had were as simple as this. I couldn't use um, ISO and I couldn't use my f-stops. And because of that, I had found ways to be able to manipulate but there's actually no way for it to do this i mean i had stretched the internet i used to drop codes on mobile photography before i talk about applications that help you to do your best you have apps like lightroom mobile you have um, darkroom you have highlight you have moment apps and all of those things but the truth is there would always be a hindrance because the hindrance not being a bad thing but because if you want to make this as something where you'll be able to have full control over your creativity not not because you are hindered but because you want to have full control over this you tend to shift so, so for me the mental shift is i couldn't use my iso i couldn't use shutter speed and phones have their maximum um, limit to which they can go for you to be able to achieve something and for me i shot with a very very low-end android device so I really didn't get much of that, but I was able to still manipulate and do some very interesting stuff with my um, my work. Now, also looking at like post production when you do things in Photoshop, you can do this on a phone, and this is also a very very big challenge for you. Um, a lot of people tend to do things on their phone, which helps them, but at the same time, one the size when you're editing on your on your PC or you're doing your retouching and all of these things, the flexibility is something you want to be able to maximize your creativity and your productivity and above all your time so the shift for me is understanding that hey i've been able to get my maximum for this 
I'm not really to stay here this for this long. I want to transit into something else to be able to get, get more out of my art. And that was how I was able to just move. I love that idea um, of not being hindered by obstacles and rather looking at it as a an opportunity to grasp full control over your your uh, your medium or your profession or whatever it is it's not an obstacle it's just something that you need to it's just a skill you need to build that's a great that's a great perspective to have what a great way of looking at that I think for a lot of people, uh, at least just starting out in art or um, in some creative field, the desire to just dive in and and do work is, at least for me, it's really high. I, I'm someone that just likes to jump in and get my hands dirty. How much did you invest in your your knowledge before taking on like the professional uh, career and, and work aspect? I was heavily invested in YouTube. I would learn. I would learn um, um, how to edit with Lightroom because you couldn't use a Photoshop on your phone. Um, the Photoshop you use had its own limitations. You couldn't get like the full package. So I had to learn how to use Lightroom. I had to learn how to use Snapseed. I had I had to learn how to use um, PixArt to be able to. Do, I did a little bit of graphic design, and then um, I basically would combine all of this. So I import a picture. Um, and one of my strongest points as a mobile photographer then was my composition. I really loved composition. I was also um, able to host one of like the biggest, um, it went viral basically. I had like a viral um, competition where I, I told my, my fellow mobile photographers, I think it was in 2019, uh, we had this, this was called Monochrome Challenge Ninja. Um, I could show you on Twitter where we had people sending in their pictures and putting the hashtag just to flex on that um black and white images and people showing their skills and all of that so i moved from there having to use the mobile apps learning about darkroom learning about um moment how to use the apps but because some of these apps applications were more or less for the apple users and i was using a, an android and i couldn't afford an apple device i had to make use with what i have so i, I shot with this um it's called the techno spark 3 that was a mobile phone i sh shot with and then I transited into um, using a camera and my first gig I remember was from a church so um, my youth pastor was having um, his um, his daughter's first year birthday and they told me to cover cover the, the event and I wanted to charge them a good amount and I collected um, 5,000 naira, which is I don't know now but it's really really very small if you compare it to dollars and before I got paid, I got paid, I think, I got paid by someone else who happens to be a family member from um, my pastor's church. Basically, he didn't have so much money to afford. And I still have that image um, in my in my, in my, um, my drive. And it was amazing because I was like, wow. Now, I didn't have speed light. I didn't have um, strokes. I didn't have backdrop. I didn't have none of that or reflector. I just had just my camera. And I was I shot with, I shoot with a, a Canon M50. I was able to just use like the the um, default native flash to be able to just replicate a very good image. So it was fun. It was interesting, and I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> this is like a dream come true for me. I was really very happy. I was really happy, and I knew that for me, I knew that if I could do this with this little amount of money I made. 
there was definitely more I could do and even make more money from this. So that was just like the beginning point for me. So at this point, you're um, ramping up your professional approach. You have the knowledge, you have the tool. What's your what's your like entry into the, you know, quote unquote marketplace? Like how do you get your first gig? How do you, how do you start to build your professional uh, portfolio? Um, so I, I, I moved from there. I, I was able to like get some money um, and I got myself a studio. I got my gear and um, I got lenses and then I moved towards um, so I was basically doing at at the point I did like free portraits for friends of mine within my environment and um, one of my major gig was I got a I got a gig from a friend of mine he was from my high school um, but he was based in the UK and he was getting married and he told me he said hey bro um, I see what you're doing so I would shoot people for free um, most times I'll shoot people for free without having to charge them and i would just post them on my instagram although i'm not really much of an instagram person but i had to just keep up at least try to post my content um my friend had a wedding so i had two weddings basically the first one was more or less like reunion because the person getting married was from my high school and i did the wedding i shot my friends basically like after the wedding the reception they were happy i posted the images on my instagram then i got a gig from my friend as well who came into nigeria he's from he's based in the uk and he told me he said hey bro um, i love what you're doing i would love to support you and he goes to um, anambra state um, which is like the southeastern part of lagos i mean southeastern part of nigeria and then i had like i was like i was a second i would like say like second or third shooter although i did content for myself the main guy was like very famous um photographer his name is Bej. he's based in abuja nigeria and it was fun. After the wedding, I covered his elder brother's um, wife's introduction. So there's this thing we do in southeastern part of Nigeria, Igbo land, where if you are a Nigerian getting married to, because his wife happens to be from Estonia, um, they tend to introduce you to, as a wife, you tend you be introduced to um, the, all all the all the women in the in the village, especially the ones who are the first daughters. You just try to like it's like more or less like um, a welcoming ritual. So I was able to cover that alongside his family and, and all of that. And then in 2021, I shot um, a rapper. He's my very good friend. His name is Eclipse and Cassie. He's an amazing rapper and producer. I reached out to him like, like, hey, bro, I love your work. I'm wanting to do this for you. And boom, it happened. And so it's just been like amazing. I was able to transcend into that. Then having to get paid gigs in my house, people call me and say, hey, I have a birthday. Could you please do a shoot for me? And I got my first videography gig early this year for a restaurant on the island. Um, it's called Brass and Copper. Um, I did um, Instagram ad for them, which is also on my Instagram. So it's, it's just been, it's more or less like, I think I just see it as a blessing because I think that relying solely on art sometimes for most people is challenging because you're like, when does art tend to pay? when will he start paying you yeah and but i've been able to with a little i'm not a rich person but with a little i have been able to just move through that skill and i'm still climbing so that's just been like my whole journey how about approaching new clients how do you manage expectations do you have a process when it comes to to working with somebody new um 
so what i do what i do basically is um i tend to make a little research on the person sometimes i get i think like photographers tend to have the challenge of with clients in the aspect of when some clients meet you they tend to want to evoke the same creativity they had with another um, another photographer i'm like i understand exactly where you're coming from but I, I always tell clients if this isn't your style of um photography you most probably have to look for someone else not because i'm trying to be rude but because you want to be able to do what you have to do but at the same time working with um with um with your client so what i tend to do most times is i tend to ask them what they want the first thing i always ask is do you have any concept in your mind? Do you have something you want to achieve, basically? And how, let me see the styles that you have. So with that, um, I draft out, and if they don't have like a, um, like a template or an idea, I tend to search Pinterest to bring out like the best, um, the, the, the best option for, to be able to, at least get to some level of what they want to achieve with your photographs and from there i'm able to draw a mood board understand the the concept now also be able to restructure my lighting and my um whole maybe um the the art direction as to um posing my client or having to do other integrities behind and then during um the shoot so I ask questions a lot. I tend to know who my clients are. I tend to understand what they think. I try to strike a balance between artist and client or photographer and client to be able to get a better understanding. And then I try to guide them through a whole creative process. And also I try to make them feel very comfortable while we are having the shoot because like I said, a lot of people tend to get nervous. Some people are camera shy when it comes to taking photographs. So making them feel at ease is something that also helps me and helps my client and sometimes if they are not comfortable i just have to pause and then make them feel much more better so sometimes when you're working with time it may not really necessarily be um, a factor because you want to make sure that your client is relaxed he or she is relaxed and he or she has like a clear mind and they're not stressed out they're not tired and just to be able to get that vibe going basically which also depends on what i want to shoot so that's what i do it sounds like you're balancing your intuition and using education to kind of support that while you work with uh, with somebody. Yes, yes, and sometimes I tend to do like a, a um, I, I call it a photographer client education where I try to basically explain to them what a creative process is like. What I'm saying is because in my own country, Nigeria photography is still somewhat undervalued and it's not as exposed as we have in other countries and i say this when i speak of genres of photography we have more portrait photographers we have less product photographers we have more wedding photographers we have less wildlife photographers less sports photographers what i mean less you could literally count the people who are in these different fields of photography so I try to give my client an understanding of what I'm, where I'm coming from, not necessarily try to scare them or to brag, but just make them understand that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to achieve. This is what I want you to do for me. 
so we can all come to like a middle ground and give like the best for the shoot or during the process. For anyone that's listening that's new to photography or looking to kind of bridge the gap between uh, hobbyist and professional, what kind of advice would you give give someone? Um, first of all, I, I would say for portrait photography, I would say be be yourself. Um, I say this because there is a lot of pressure from there's a lot of pressure which I really don't know where it happens that that occurs with um, new photographers or young photographers or mobile photographers who are trying to get into portrait because many people really don't understand composition so I'm not a heavily technical person because I believe in, in creativity you're always meant to break the boundaries photography has rules I mean you could literally tell people what JPEG is and you might not even be, still be able to understand what lighting is and understanding the basics, understanding composition, understanding, it's not really about the, the style of, of uh, photography, but understanding composition because composition and lighting has a way of drawing in or creating um, a very vivid um, um, picture of what you want to represent basically. So I would say understand um, um, your lighting um, which is a never-ending process. Understand your um, your composition because from your composition you'll be able to build a very very good portfolio for yourself in establishing yourself. And they say, hey, that's Mike's photo. Hey, that's Dave's photo. Nobody needs to tell. Some people are very good in color grading. Color grading is their strong point. But having um, a very good knowledge of your composition, your camera, what your camera does best, how it works best, best and also having a good understanding about light lighting basically because light is everything you want to be able to manipulate light you want to be able to bend light you want to be able to achieve the best result with the little you have right i think those are like the basic things i tell people to learn and also now speaking about portraits you want to depending on the mood you want to evoke with your portrait giving your clients uh, uh, um, an understanding Sometimes a mood board would also help because people like to say things of what of what you want to communicate to them. So, aside telling them, giving them a mood board better helps them to understand what they want to do or what you want to achieve. And I think these little little things are what will basically help people. Now, for product, product is very different entirely. You are working with a you're working with inanimate objects, so understanding what your client wants and understanding what type of product are you shooting are you shooting for e-commerce are you shooting for a brand are you shooting for an, for an advert basically all these things try to help to to fit in i think that's what i just have to say it sounds like um you know fundamentals are just as important to you as you know business acumen or artistic or creative uh expression would you value each of these kind of in a similar light? Yes. Um, so I, I said basically that um, for the, te te um, the technicalities, it, has, it helps you understand what you're really doing. So I, I see photography from um, three points of view. One, which is the business aspect, growing a business for yourself. I see it from the artist's point of view, which is being able to... Um, stand out or just be different in 
creating um, images of what you want and not having to be hindered by a light or anything and I also see it from the point of understanding the nitty-gritties because you will not you will not say you are a photographer without understanding the basic principles of how things work so fusing all of this right gives you like a better um, creativity gives you better income and makes you above all stand out and people can be able to identify with your image or with your work anywhere they see them which consistency over time and over the years gives you that so yes all right here's a fun question for you um if you could take one year you don't have any you don't have to worry about any responsibilities financially whatever um and you can do any creative project you'd like what what would you do whoa um i would take on a i would take on a travel portrait photography and probably 100 countries and i'll do a portrait of 100 different people names where your their ancestors their beliefs their food and probably make it into like a film as well as photography i think that's what i really love to do at some point i could tell people i could tell where people are from by their surnames because I know like in America you have a lot of people who are from different parts of the world but who have maybe they are, um, the, the first generation or third generation <clears throat> so but I can't I can say hey this guy is from this guy may be from this place um so for example if someone has the um the, has a son name that ends with SKY ski you know he or Chich mainly from Croatia if he has the Vlad or Vlad he may be from or Russia you have somebody who's from Nigeria you can tell give me like a sense of belonging and sense of culture so I think traveling the world taking portraits of people learning their story and not having to not necessarily having to hear them speak english but just maybe like an interpreter interprets for me but let them speak their language and just intervene them to very very good project i would love to do that sounds like an incredible that would be an incredible project um and i know how much you love traveling and exploring other cultures it seems like that's a huge part of kind of what what makes you who you are yeah yeah i think i think it's i think mike I, mike i think it's a blessing because i mean come to think about it we have over seven billion people in this planet and there are people who are, who you probably wouldn't never meet i mean think about it like this you have people you will never meet in your life these people exist across the globe right they have interesting cultures some you may find appalling because it's, it doesn't fit into what you're taught and others you may find very very interesting and you ask yourself what makes you what makes you tick as a human being what influences those thoughts what influences your idea what influences your psychology your your um your way of life basically how did this come to be how did this evolution from your ancestors coming to be and i think it's a very very interesting thing and movies books and youtube has been able to give me a better understanding of how the world works although you can't really express these things unless you are there yourself but i think it's just amazing that i don't know man this this world is so big and <laughs> i think more more than aside making money or being able to stand to yourself financially traveling and experiencing new life eating new food is something that 
everyone needs to do before they leave this planet and i really want to do that so much what are your top destinations your travel destinations where would you where would you fly right now if money wasn't an object no money i would go to norway I'll go to Norway. <laughs> I'll go to Norway. I'll go. I will visit Lofoten. Um, I want to see the Northern Lights or the Aurora. Um, I think Norway would be the first country I would like to go. Um, another country I like to go is Iceland. Then from there, I want to go to um, just because one Norway is. I think Norway is an, an amazing country. These guys literally export water, Voss water, to other parts of the world. They are a big country when it comes to oil exportation, crude oil exportation. I'd like to visit, I would like to go to the US because I feel like that's where um, you have a lot of things that resonate with people. I mean, movies, Hollywood, the culture, the food, man, you guys have an amazing food. And I'm a big fan of your burgers, your mac and cheese. I've not eaten these things, but I, I think they will taste really nice. <laughs> so man, traveling and trust me the way you guys your, your food is so very enticing i mean i watch a lot of food um this program called food network and you have tlc all of, all of that and it's amazing so that that lifestyle of understanding um of understanding i mean pop culture grew up in the u.s hollywood movies grew up in the u.s these are things that we, we watch when we're younger so I think that would be a very good experience. So Norway, US, other countries are involved. I really want to go to, um, what's it called? In Asia, I would love to visit Mongolia because I love, they have their culture. Um, I would love to visit um, Hong Kong, um, China, definitely. And in, yeah, I want to go to Canada because I'm really interested in Canada. I love, I had, I know you have the French side, um, French and then the, the English speaking side then um south america um ecuador a lot of countries man i really want to visit man trust me mike a whole lot <laughs> well that's a an incredible goal david so um i really hope that we can get some of your work sold and we can get you traveling around the world um but i think we're going to be wrapping up now so i wanted to take a moment and give you kind of open mic to share or say whatever it is kind of any last closing thoughts uh before we wrap it up um thank you very much mike i just wanted to say a big thank you first of all um i think this is this uh, the, when you told when you reached out to me i said hey you wanted me to talk and i i really loved the idea first of all and i felt to me i felt like um a celebrity sitting down in um, a podcast uh, maybe by joe rogan having to talk about his <laughs> life <laughs> so, uh, it's a pleasure to be honest to be honest with you um i told my girlfriend about it she was like wow that's really nice and it's it means so much to me man so but just my word out there would be first of all i like to i would just want to address the whole issue of mental health for me and for men and for people um, we are in, we in the Mental Health Awareness Month and I like to say that life always comes with challenges. Um, you may not understand what exactly is happening to you as a person. You may not understand the challenges you face, why you face them and why now. People tend to ask a lot of whys. But one thing I know for me which has kept me going is... Um, as long as there's life there's always hope 
if you feel the need to want to talk please seek tr meet someone or confide in someone you know you can trust that you can talk with because i feel the first step for every form of therapy is talking and if you cannot share your experience if you cannot share your emotions it may be very very difficult bottling anything up hasn't solved anything for anyone basically every business deal is done by negotiation which involves communication and which involves talking so every form of love also starts from talking you tend to show love by talking then you move into the action every little thing we start every form of communication is by talking just like me and mike are having now so for everyone going through that challenge please i want you to know that as long as you have this life there's definitely hope and if you feel the need to, to seek help professional help please go to a therapist and surround yourself with people that love you life would always be tough it comes to challenges and it never stops as long as we breathe in air breathe out air we have blood flowing through our veins it never ever stops so you got this you're loved you're blessed and i want you to be happy and above all i want you to live your best life so that's my parting shot as long as you have life you have hope beautiful words my friend Thanks again for coming on the show, and I'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to my interview with David Cameo. Head over to searchstudioart.com to connect with David through his social links and see some of his photography. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe for upcoming episodes.